Hi folks, Dave Mason here, and I want to thank you for your patience. I know it's been a long time since we've uploaded a new podcast to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, however you listen to us, and I appreciate your patience. I took the month of December off, and that turned into taking the month of January off, and that turned into taking the first half of February off as well. The fact is is that the podcast became a, a burden uh, on my weekly schedule here at Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, and there were things that I needed to take care of that I couldn't and do the podcast and be effective in it and do it well. So we're back from our little hiatus, and what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go from a weekly schedule to a bi-weekly schedule to try to be able to put as much effort into this as I can while still taking care of all the duties I have here at Military Fellowship Center. So... Thank you so much. Thank you for all the support and the love. Uh, we've gotten reviews on iTunes. Uh, we, we've got several dozen followers on SoundCloud, and it's really, really nice. And uh, still, over 500 people have listened to this podcast on a regular basis since we started it. I pray that you come back and you're part of this, and we'll probably do these sorts of things again and take hiatuses and kind of have seasons of the podcast so that I can continue to focus on the real work of uh, reaching Marines and Naval personnel with the gospel here at Camp Lejeune, Camp Johnson, Camp Geiger, New River. This is what we do. The podcast is an opportunity for me to reach out to you all over the world and be a blessing as well. So thank you again for your patience. We will pick up again in two weeks with episode 32. But right now, here's episode 31 of Field Notes. Again, God bless you. Hello, and welcome to Field Notes the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. Continue in John chapter 6, starting in verse 48. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread of life which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. Verse 51. I am the living bread which come down from heaven, if any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Father, thank you for this time looking into your word. Help me to speak what you would have said in Jesus' name. Amen. Last time we talked about how after making the statement, I am the bread of life, Jesus chided his listeners for murmuring among themselves at this. Today, we're going to see Jesus make the statement that offends two more times. He's going to say this again and again. He said again, John 6, 48, I am that bread of life. So first, we have to answer the question, who is Jesus? Why would he make this kind of statement? What what makes what gives him the gall? I think the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the lawyers are thinking, what gives this man the gall to make this kind of statement? I am the bread of life. 
Well, who is Jesus? Well, we can say these things about Jesus because these things are definitely recorded about him in the Bible. Number one, he is God in the flesh. He says, I am. He declares himself, I am. This is one of several great I am statements in the book of John. In John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. In John 10, 7 through 9, he says, I am the door. In John 10, 11 through 14, he declares himself, he says, I am the good shepherd. In John eleven twenty five and 26, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in John 15, 1 and 5, he says, I am the true vine. So he uses the name of God to declare who he is. He says, I am, I am, I am the I am. And that he is God, there is no doubt. I mean, you look at the scriptures, and they are the record we have of Jesus. And the scriptures tell us that he performed miracles. And Nicodemus, a Pharisee, declared this, said, hey, nobody could do the things you do except God were with him. We know that he lived a perfect life. He was born of a virgin. He had no sin in his blood. He, he lived without ever offending man or God. He gave up his own life and then reconstituted his own life. No one killed Jesus. It says in John chapter 19, he gave up the ghost. He gave up his spirit. No one could actually kill him. He allowed himself to be tortured and, and, and persecuted and hang on that cross as a manner of execution to be a perfect sacrifice. But then when the time came for him to die, it wasn't up to mankind to kill him. Jesus was the only one who could let his life leave him because he is the life. And he stated over and over again in the Bible that he was and is God. He's the giver of life. He's the very concept of life itself. In verse 35, the article, the, appears. He says, I am the bread of life. Here it's missing. And the KJV translators put in the word that to clarify in English what he's saying. The literal reading here is, I am bread of life. So he's saying, God and I are synonymous. Jesus and God are synonymous. God and life are synonymous. Colossians 3, 4 says, Jesus is our life. It says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. He's not the bread that fills for the day. He's the bread that fills for all days. With Christ Jesus, we have an endless supply of nourishment for our spirits and our souls. Verse 49, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is that bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. So Jesus goes right back to teaching them from their history. He says, I am the bread of life. And you're thinking bread and you're, you're celebrating the, right now the fact that God provided manna in the wilderness. And I'm telling you, manna was temporary. Your fathers ate it and they're dead. Because bread only fills for the day. Manna only sustained life. Jesus, the living bread, gives everlasting life. Think of it this way. It cost God nothing to send manna every day to the Jews in the wilderness. Nothing. He was God. He didn't even have to snap his fingers. He didn't have to, he didn't have to lift, a, lift a, anything to go, let's give them bread every day. He's God. Every day, 6 a.m., this bread will uh, appear, a fall from heaven. I don't know how it happened, but the Jews would get up and here's the bread. It would be, it'd be scattered about on the ground and, and ready for them to eat. Every day, God sent them the bread. And it cost God nothing to do that. 
but it cost him everything to send his son so that we could have everlasting life, so that we could have living bread. You see, the Jews in the wilderness had to eat every day. With Jesus, you eat once and you have life forever. Manna was a representation. It was a, it was a precursor. It was a, it was a symbol. It was a foreshadow of Jesus Christ himself. Think about it. Manna came at night. It appeared at night. Jesus came to us while we were in darkness. Manna was small. Jesus is humble. Manna was round. Jesus is eternal. Manna was white. Jesus is pure. It was sweet. And life with Jesus is sweet, isn't it? It represents Jesus Christ. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. And so he says, I am that bread of life. Your fathers ate man in the wilderness. They're dead. But this, me, what I'm offering you, this is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat and never die. So he's saying, I'm, I'm eternal life. He is eternal life. There is no spiritual life. Listen to me. If you get nothing else from this podcast today, get this. There is no spiritual life anywhere for any man in any generation apart from being one with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the bread of life, period. Plus nothing, minus nothing. That is the gospel, isn't it? The fact is, is that we're all facing death. We begin dying the day we were born, but nobody wants to die. There's a story told of three men who were asked at a, at a party one time. He said, when you, know, when you arrive at the pearly gates, what do you, what do you want to hear? Uh, and Peter gives you a chance. You know, St. Peter supposedly has the, <laughs> standing at the gates of heaven. That's how we've created this little image in our minds and he lets you listen in on uh, your funeral what would you like to hear from your family and friends at your funeral and the first man said well i'd like to hear that i was a great doctor i was a good family man second man said well i would like to hear that i was a wonderful husband and i was a teacher who made a difference in my students lives the third man said i'd like to hear look he's moving get it we're all afraid of dying we're all afraid we're all afraid to, to die. We don't want to die. Nobody wants to die. Even the person who's so despondent that they take their own life. And in reality, they don't want to die. They want their life to be better, but they've gotten to a point where they don't see any other way out, unfortunately. No man welcomes death, especially if he doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. But with Jesus... We don't have to worry about losing our life because our life is sealed in Christ by the Holy Spirit of God. Listen to what Jesus says in John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you might be also. Very simple. 
Jesus says, if you accept who I am, if you believe in who I am, if you let me come into your life, if you let me seal you by my Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm going away. I'm going to my Father, but I'm going away for a very specific purpose. I'm preparing a place for you. I'm getting your house ready. And if I'm going to go away and I'm going to do this, I'm going to get a place ready for you. Don't you think I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you? And I'm going to be with you and you're going to be with me and you're going to live forever. Jesus said in verse 51 of our text today, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And so here's the qualifier. You have to act. You have to, you have to accept. You have, you, there, has to be, there has to be repentance. Jesus died for the sins of the world, yes, but that doesn't mean everybody gets to go to heaven. And works don't save us. But if Jesus said, if any man eat of this bread, if any man partake of me, if he becomes a part of who I am, you must eat actively, intently, consciously, willingly come to Jesus and accept Him into your heart as Lord and Savior, or else you don't have eternal life. In Acts 30, uh, 16, chapter, uh, verse 30, in Acts chapter 16, verse 30, the Philippian jailer, after seeing God break Paul and Silas out of jail, and they're still standing there, and, and they actually stop him from impaling himself. He was going to kill himself because he knew he was in trouble. These, these, jailer, these uh, prisoners had left, and they said, no, don't. We're still here. He falls on his knees and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul's response, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Listen, though no work saves you, you must, as the Holy Spirit moves upon you, respond to the knocking of Jesus Christ on the door of your heart. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 is where we're at prophetically. <laughs> we're waiting for chapter 4, verse 1, and to come up hither and Jesus to take us into the clouds. But we're standing at Revelation chapter 3 at the very end, and in verse 20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him, and I will sup with him, and he with me. you got to answer the door. He's knocking at the door of your heart, and you have to answer. You can't just say, well, good, Jesus died for me. That's great. I'll just go live my life the way I want to, and I'll go to heaven when I die. That's, that's not how it works. You've got to respond. You see, there's no work that saves you, but there is a step. <laughs> There has to be a step. There has to be you stepping towards Him. It means you repent. You turn around from the way you've been living. You do a 180 and you turn towards Jesus and you walk towards Him and you accept what He's done. You see, He's got a gift for you. He says, you have to eat my flesh. Now, this is not talking about the Lord's Supper. Okay? This is, we have, there's a lot of misinterpretation about this and, and such. And a lot of people say, this is the Lord's Supper. This is not the Lord's Supper. He's not talking about taking the wafer and somehow that saves you. That doesn't save you. In the context of this, he says, you have to eat my flesh. I am the bread, and the bread that I give is my flesh. You have to eat the bread. You have to have him. 
The gift is his flesh. He gave his body and blood as a sacrificial payment for your sins and for mine. He, so to eat the bread does not mean to take the wafer at the Lord's table. It means to appropriate. It means to take into yourself, make a part of your being, the sacrifice of the cross of Calvary. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, 14, and 15. Listen to this. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had power of the death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Jesus came to break you free from your bondage to sin and the devil and death. And it's a personal experience. It's different in aspect for everyone, but it's always the same in substance. How, how, how the, the, the experience you had when you accepted Jesus Christ is not the same as the experience I had. I remember that day, August 1980. I remember that day. I remember how I felt that morning. I know what happened. But it was different for me than it was for you because we're individuals. But it was the same in substance. The gospel's the same. I had to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior or else I had nothing to do with Him. And so... Accepting the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ is what saves us. John 3, verse 7, Jesus said, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wants to. You hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it came from or where it goes. It's the same way with everyone that's born of the Spirit. It's different for each one of us but it's the same. And the gift is available to all of us. 1 John 2, 2. And he is the propitiation, the substitutionary payment, the substitute death. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Folks, everyone, everyone needs to be saved. And no one's going to be saved by chance. No one's going to be saved by being a part of a certain family. Billy Graham's children had to get saved just as well as anyone else. Just because they're the children of Billy Graham doesn't mean they have some special grace from God. Everybody individually has to be saved. Nobody's going to be saved by somebody praying for you uh, after you died. That's, that can't happen. You can't be prayed out of hell or purgatory or whatever your theological bent is that once it is appointed unto men once to die and then the judgment. Once you're dead, the judgment is set. There's no fixing it. There's none of this, I'm going to have a talk with God once I get to heaven and we're going to work this out. That doesn't happen. If you're not saved, you don't get to see him. You are at the last breath eternally separated from the presence of God. The only way to be saved is to accept Christ, to eat the bread of life. You're either saved or you're not. There's no in-between. On the night the Titanic sunk, the families of those who were on board gathered at the White Star Line's office in Liverpool, England. And the officials there placed two boards on either side of the entrance of the door. On the right, there was a sign above the board that said, Known to be saved. 
On the left, there was a sign above the board that said, Known to be Lost. Every time a message came through the line, a man would come out of the office with a large piece of paper with the name of one of the passengers. And we'd hold up the name, and the crowd would grow deathly still. Then they watched to see which board he put the name on. And still, folks, there were only two categories, saved and lost. Which side of the board is your name on? Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.